Uh, I have a prophetic word that I feel like the Lord has given me. He knows who's, who's tuning in. He knows the, who needs to hear this. And this is a prophetic word. So I want you to gear yourself to receive a prophetic word from the Lord. The prophetic word of God propels us into uh, that which he has decreed over us. And, uh, and I want us to get our spirit right. I want to get our, our, our faith level right because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I'm ministering the word of God, God is doing something beyond what we can see. Our faith man is rising up and, and our faith man is going to be able to reach out and take hold of this decree and take hold of this prophetic word uh, to become tangible evidence in our lives. So it's not something we just hear, but it's the actual manifest of what God desires through us. And, and, and I'm excited because I know what it is. And I'm excited for you because I know what God's wanting to do through you. And it is amazing. Look at somebody and say, it's amazing. amazing. Amen. I promise you, it is amazing. But I do need to preface this before we get into the word that you may need to excuse yourself um, because this message is only for those who have had to go through some things in life. Uh, only those who have had to deal with challenges and setbacks and failures and disappointments will get anything out of this. If you've never had any of that to deal with in life, you probably would need to go on down to a coffee shop or something and get better uh, time uh, this morning. But if you have had challenges, and if you have dealt with setbacks and failures and disappointments, let me tell you what, I believe this word is for you, and you will find great, great strength in it this morning. We're going to be looking in 2 Samuel chapter 21. And what we're looking at is, um, I've entitled, Until Raindrops Fall. Uh, we're going to be looking at a, a time and a period in the scripture where three years have passed, there's been no rain. Can you imagine? Three years, no rain. Uh, the heat is intense. The days are suffocating in heat. The nights are very cold. There is no harvest, there is no increase, there is no comfort. It's just a dry, dry time in the life of the people of God. But we're going to not stop there because part of the prophetic decree is that God is sending the rain. And there's some things that you and I can do and we can learn from this story this morning which we can begin to engage even before we leave here within the next few minutes to see the heavens opened up and the raindrops to begin to fall, representing the blessings and the favor and the anointing and the Spirit of God to begin to saturate our lives and change our lives for good. And I pray that you would receive that this morning. But before we read the Word, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we do thank You for Your Word this morning. With anticipation, Lord God, we know there's power in reading Your Word. There's anointing of your word that touches us, changes us. An anointing that lifts burdens, an anointing that destroys yokes comes upon us at the reading of your word. So I thank you right now, God, as we study your word over these next few minutes, that there's going to be a supernatural working of your spirit in and through us. An anointing that is going to lift burdens off of our life. Burden, burdens that we don't even realize are there, we'll never realize are there because they're going to be removed before they're ever manifest. Hallelujah. And burdens that are realized are going to be lifted and we're going to go into this week so much better off 
because we came and sat under your anointed word. Lord God, let your anointing also destroy yokes. Anything that binds, anything that is holding us back, anything that is hindering, Lord God, to be severed and set free that we can go into the fulfillment of your purpose and destiny for our lives. So God, we thank you that faith comes by hearing, hearing by your word. Your anointed word brings your anointing. So Lord God, we receive it now. Teach us in this study, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Here we are in 2 Samuel chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a famine in the days of David, King David, for three years, year after year. So David inquired of the Lord. He's, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites, the children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And what will it take? And what shall I do to make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So David said, Well, whatever you say, I'll do. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from the remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord of Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose, and the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Ormani and Mephibosheth, which is another Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rispa, the daughter of Ai, whom she bore up to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Mahavathite. Isn't that all tongue-twisting? So he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites and hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Rispah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. Wow, what a story. Man, Pastor, we're looking for an exciting weekend. You read us that story? Well, God gives us the Old Testament in great detail and much graphics there to help us understand the warfare and see in the spiritual realm that we deal in today and how the enemy comes against us and his demonic forces and how it's played out and brings destruction even in the warfare that took place in the Old Testament. We understand how to war in the spirit. We understand how to stand our ground and fight. And we understand how the enemy and his tactics are, or, 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 or you might would say his, his schemes uh, were. We're to be wise to that. And the Old Testament gives us revelation of that. And here in this particular story, we are seeing that there are things that happen in our lives that we participate in that do not end when it seemingly that circumstance is over, but that there is a domino effect that we ha are participating in. 
See, there is a trouble that comes from without and there's a trouble that comes from within. And the trouble from within is worse than the trouble that comes into our lives from the external. See, internal trouble like unforgiveness and abuse and anxiety and betrayal and pressure and bitterness and tension and anxiety and friction in the house and friction between husband and wife and friction between children and parents and friction between siblings. This, these internal troubles are, more, are even more intensified when they are a result of sin. You know, you can still say sin in the 21st century. There may be a day when guards would rush in and put me in handcuffs and put a, a muzzle on my mouth and, and, and take me into a prison for saying the word sin, but thank God we can still speak with freedom today. And the Bible is definitely not silent on the subject of sin. See, sin is a troubling thing. And the thing about sin is it does not stop with the sinner because sin's consequences are far-reaching. Did you not know that we are still suffering from the sin of Adam and Eve? When you look at something disgusting that is now being portrayed on television as family entertainment, and when you see things that are happening in the, the street corners and things that are happening in places of business and all that we would like, wow, this is raunchy, this is not good, this is not... That comes from the sin of Adam and Eve. Because when they fell, everything that was locked up in them fell. That's why the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When they fell, you fell, and I fell. And as a result, we have been left with a fallen nature. And it is this fallen nature that causes the Apostle Paul to say, for the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, but I thank God. I thank God. It's not the end. There's hope. I thank God that there's a way to be delivered from this, and it's through Jesus Christ as Lord. So you've got to be surrendered to His Lordship in order to take benefit of being rescued from the domino effect and the consequence of this horrible, horrific sin nature that Adam and Eve ushered in to this world that affects even mankind to this day. So according to this, we know it's more natural to sin than to live holy. It's more natural to say a bad word when you drop something on your toe than to say, oh, praise Jesus, let the angels sing a hallelujah chorus. Okay? And Webster says that when something is natural, it means it came with the package. Sin is easy. Sin is natural. And I'm going to go as far to tell you what the Word of God shows us, uh, that sin is even exciting. And it brings immediate gratification. And did you know the Bible even says sin is fun, but for a season. Hebrews eleven twenty five. there's pleasure in sin, but for a season. But not only will sin bring pleasure, you must hear this. This is the message that we get from this story. Sin will bring a harvest. Sin will bring a harvest. 
The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked that whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he sows to the flesh, of the flesh he will reap corruption. But he sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. See, God has given us a heads up here. And he says, if you're going to dance, you're going to have to pay the band. There's a lot of people who say, well, I don't want to pay the band, but I want to dance. Well, if you're going to dance, you've got to pay the band. And I know you may say, well, pastor, I, I, don't, I don't like the song, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I like the song that says, when I fall down, I get up. I fall down, I get up. I like that song, and that's a good song. Yes, you will, with the help of God, you can get up, but you will get up, let me tell you, with on you what you fell into. There's consequences in sin. I know 1 John 1, 9, we love this. This is our scripture, right? That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God. Somebody say, thank God. Amen. Praise God. And, and he will. And this is the verse, if you've sinned, thank God for it. But there's a better verse that's found in Romans 6, 12 and following that says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Don't let sin reign is what he's teaching us, that Jesus Christ has made a way that our lives lived in him and our dependence upon his righteousness and his power and his provision, that we can say in Christ, we have the strength to say no to the devil and yes to God. But we have to exercise that authority. Because if we do not, and we just casually go in and live our lives sinning as though everybody does, it's no big deal. Let me tell you what, you are going to reap a harvest from your sin. There will be situations that you will face, there will be consequences that you will have to deal with, and they are because you were cavalier or casual with sin. And the unfortunate thing about sin, let me tell you, it does not play fair because you will not face your consequences alone but everyone who is connected with you will be impacted as well. Everyone who is locked up in you will be impacted as well. They will be affected by your sin. See, we live in a day, an age where everybody wants to talk about falling down and getting back up, and I say that's great, but we must also talk about the fact that the grace of God never cancels out the consequences of sin. You in a drunken stupor with a chainsaw cut off your hand. Let me tell you what, God can forgive you for that drunken stupor and that foolishness, but you'll go probably through the rest of life without that hand. We must be careful not to take the message of grace and take advantage of it and say we can just live a cavalier life, we can just live a foolish life. It really doesn't matter. The grace of God covers it all. Let me tell you what, there is repentance and there is forgiveness and there is redemption. All of that is wrapped up in the grace of God and thank God for it. We'd be damned if it weren't. But let me tell you what, you must understand that if you play with sin, sin will burn you, sin will hurt you, sin will 
will hold you longer than you expected to be held. It will take you further than you were willing to go. And it will cost you more than you ever thought you would have to pay. We must, as a people of God that is standing in the righteousness of God, learn to say no to that which displeases God and yes to that which pleases Him. Amen. See, we need some Nathans of the day. If you'll remember, Nathan comes up into the face of David in that day and time when David had uh, sin in his life and, and he didn't care about being politically co correct and, and he didn't care about... We need some people like that today. This is a day and age, and I don't know if social media has done it, or I don't know why, but there's just a lukewarm and a warming up, a, a cooling off and a lukewarmness that just says, we just want to keep everybody okay. We don't want to stir any feather, ruffle any feathers. Everything is okay, no matter what you say, what you do. White is black, black is white, right is wrong, wrong. It doesn't matter. Just let, let's just all sing Kumbaya and be happy. But I'm here to tell you, you're, you may change culture, culture may change, but you don't change God. And the one who has the last say is God. And He's given us a standard. He has given us a plumb line by which we're to build our lives and live our lives, which is the Word of God. And we don't have the authority. We don't have the right. And we really, if we got any smarts about us, should never even think to change His Word. We must live according to the Word of God. Amen? So here's Nathan, just a different story, but Nathan comes up to David and David's been living in sin and been a hypocrite and hiding it and, and, and Nathan comes up and says, you know, you're a king and you're a psalmist and you're anointed and you're, you know, you're, you're all of this and you can, he can speak to us today and say, you're a teacher, you're a bishop, you're a prophet, you're a pastor, you're a warrior, you're an athlete, you're a wealthy person or you've got great potential or you are a beautiful woman or you're a handsome man or you've got great public success. But sir, he said, Said, you are a private failure. Man. And while all of Israel is fascinated with you, and David, while they're drawn to you and would never speak ill of you because they love you so much, you, David, let me tell you, as a representative of God, you are absolutely in the wrong. You took Bathsheba. You took her husband Uriah, had him murdered. You are a, an absolute hypocrite. That's what he says to him. You are a hypocrite. Can you imagine speaking to the king like that? And he says, the thing you did, sir, is evil in the eyes of God. Don't we care about God anymore? Don't we care about offending our great and awesome God? Or we just want to drink of the fountain of blessing and then spit upon his character and his nature with our lifestyle. Come on now. Here he is speaking to David. He said, maybe it's evil. Maybe it's not evil in your eyes. And maybe it's not evil in the court's eyes. And maybe it's not evil in your so-called friends' lives. And maybe it's not evil even in you, the king's eyes. But, but the eyes of Yahweh see things different. He is looking from a different perspective. So, so I don't care who you are, David. And I don't care what your title is. And, and I don't care what accomplishments you have. Your conduct is absolutely reprehensible to Yahweh. Can you imagine the prophet talking to the king like that? That prophetic indictment from God set into motion the consequences of David's sin. It was over a year after David had sinned before he ever admitted that he had messed up.
And when he finally confessed, I have sinned, Nathan told him, yes, the Lord's going to forgive you, and yes, God's going to allow you to stay in as the king, and and you're not going to die for your sin. But he also told him this, the sword shall not depart from your house. In other words, he said, David, there's consequences. You have played, you have violated, you have have scorned God in this, and, and you've opened the door. And the enemy has brought in consequences. The sword shall not depart from your house. The child that you conceived with Bathsheba, he died. The sword shall not depart from your house. His son Amnon rapes his sister Tamar. So now he's got his children. There's incest in the house. The sword shall not depart from your house. Absalom murders Amnon because of what Amnon had done to Tamar. There, the sword shall not depart from your house. David's ungovernment and, and, uh, and not, allow, not, not willing to exercise uh, control and discipline over his sexual indiscretion led to murder uh, being relived throughout. Wow. Did David repent? Yes, he did. Was David sorry? Yes, he was. Was he sincere? You read the Psalms afterwards and you see he was most sincere. Was he forgiven? Yes, he was forgiven. But listen to me. Repentance and sincerity and forgiveness do not cancel out the consequences of sin. All that we are people of God would understand that again, that we are being held to a higher standard, that we are being held to a standard of righteousness and and there's blessing and there's favor and there's anointing and there's power and there's glory and all the good things of God are there, but there's a responsibility that we live our lives in such a way that we bring honor and glory to Him. See, the Bible says as long as the earth remains and I came in and the earth is still here, So as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So we need to be careful today. We need not to live rebellious lives before God, counting on the grace of God to cover it all. Now let me tell you, I can preach on the grace of God, and thank God God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. But He has never excused us from our responsibility. Come on now. Grace will never cancel the consequences of sin. Now, the good news is the consequences of sin, if by faith we place our trust in Jesus and what he's provided for us, he becoming a curse for us on the cross, the consequences can be canceled at the cross, but we've got to own up to what we have done. We've got to make uh, every bit of of, of preparation uh, in ourselves to bring it to him and to truly turn and live for him and not ourselves. So we see his baby dies this brother, uh, the one brother rapes the sister. The two brothers stopped communicating for over two years. Then one said, enough is enough. Dad's not going to do anything about it. And he rises up and he murders his brother that had raped his sister. You know, Tamar, how her story unfolded because of this abuse. And all of this, you ask the question, where was David? While all of this was going on. Well, he was probably tending to kingdom business. Please listen to me. Sometimes you got to stop tending to kingdom business and just be daddy and just be mama. Your position and your title does not excuse you from your responsibility to represent the, the holiness of God in your home. The Bible gives us a principle of that which is closest first and then that which is out. 
that we are, to, we are to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's supposed to start at home. It is supposed to start with our neighbor, and that word neighbor means the ones nearest to you. So your neighbors that are nearest to you are your children, your family, your parents. So we can't go win the world and let our family go to hell. And then say, well, we're doing your work. God, you take care of our family. I've had too many people say that. I'll do the work of the Lord, and God will take care of my family. You have a responsibility. Please hear me. The Bible says David got angry when Amnon raped Tamar. Yeah, but what did you do? He's so disconnected from his house that he's not moved by action at all uh, to, to deal with this pain that is in his home. Why is he so disconnected? Because sin has consequences. Listen, sin will zap your confidence. Sin will zap your confidence. Here in the Healing Rooms ministry, there's many times people come in and they want us to pray for them because they see that we have confidence, we have faith, we believe. We think that what the Word of God says is true. We're not questioning God. We're not disbelieving God. He says, we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He says that by His stripes we were healed. He says that we're redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. We, we, we see that the curse has come upon Him, that the blessing might come upon us, that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we're the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath, and we're to walk in the blessings and the favor of God, and part of that is His benefits and not forget all of His benefits, which one is He heals all our diseases. Let me tell you what, they see the confidence in us and they want to come in and they want us to exercise faith and exercise confidence and thank God we can demonstrate that and thank God we can do it but they can't believe God for themselves and many times we'll see a manifest of a healing power of God and then they go home and it all goes away because they can't stand in it because they have lost their confidence because there's a consequence of sin and Satan saying, you're unworthy. You have no right. Who are you? Look what you did. Look what you didn't do. Look what you said. Look what you should have said and you didn't say. And the devil robs us of our confidence so we're depending on some savior of man outside of us to help us rather than us rising up as men and women of God strong in faith within. I'm here to call the devil out and I'm here to shine a spotlight on what he's doing and I'm here to say enough is enough. If we've been living in the parched land, uh, we've been living in the drought season long enough, there's rain in the heavens uh, and it's time for us to do what it takes to get the raindrops to start falling, the healing to start falling, the blessings to start falling, uh, the deliverance to start falling, the anointing to cover this earth. Uh, let me tell you what, we've got to be engaged. Amen. So here's David because he's lost his confidence because of this sin. He's abdicated the kingdom and he begins to run when his son uh, flexes his muscle and he's running from his son. And here's the anointed man of God running from trouble really when trouble needs the anointing to run to it. And it's just a demonstration of what we do in our own home. I mean, what's going on here? Nathan said, the sword shall not depart from your house. David Sin has consequences. The Bible says that if we shall sow to the we shall sow to the wind, we shall reap a whirlwind. Now, whirlwind is defined as this hot air that has become confused. It bunches up together and becomes violently agitated. It's fast moving, it's fierce, it's destructive. It seemingly comes from nowhere and it snatches up everything, the whirlwind. Wow. See, while David was running, yet another messenger approaches him with another handful of harvest and says, your son Absalom has been murdered. Can you imagine? 
Here once again, David hears the prophet's voice and the sword shall not depart from your house. See, the whirlwind has no mercy. When you sin, you're sowing to the whirlwind. The whirlwind has no mercy. It destroys all. It affects all. Some of you know what I'm talking about today. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what? You can suffer heartache uh, for someone else's sin. Did you know that? Rispa knows what it's like to experience that. Back to our original story. One moment everything in her life is perfect. The next moment it's all wrong. Anybody ever been there? Someone knocks on her door and they tell her it's harvest time. Her sons are about to reap the harvest of their father's sin. And what was the sin? A little background study of when Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land. Uh, he came in and the Gibeonites were very friendly and, and, and accommodating and helpful. And Joshua made a covenant with them. And he says, you, you've been such a blessing to us. We as the people of God make covenant and we will be a blessing to you and live at peace together. But when Saul years later becomes king, he's, he disregards the covenant that Joshua had made with the Gibeonites. And he and rather than bless the Gibeonites, he's going to annihilate them. And as a result, the Lord becomes very displeased. Now, all of Israel has suffered a three-year drought and famine. There is no food. There is no comfort. There is no water. There is no harvest. Seemingly, there is no hope. So when David is king, he goes before the Lord to ask God, what's going on here? Why is the kingdom in a famine? There's, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And God says, yes, there is. So God tells him, and David takes matters into his own hands, and, and he goes to the Gibeonites, and he tries to give them some money. Here, let me pay you for the heartache that, that Saul caused. Let me just give you some money. It'll make everything right. Politicians know it's true, right? That if we just throw money at it, that fixes it, right? Okay, being a little sarcastic here. They refused the money. Said, no, we don't want you to go punish anybody in the kingdom. We don't want your money. What we want is seven of Saul's descendants. Because those who were locked up in him, when he fell, they're going to feel the effect of this fall. So there are his sons and his grandsons, seven of them that are selected. And Rizpah has two sons. And they suffer for their father's sin. Saul's dead. It's not even affecting Saul, but what Saul did is still affecting his offspring. Let me tell you what, we have a responsibility to the generations that are coming up. Whoever told us that we are living in a vacuum and the way we do church and the way we live life and the way we honor God and the way we, we build the kingdom of God in our day and time, it, you know, there's a responsibility. There's generations coming up. We've had people say, why do we need this land next to the property here? We've got our three and a half acres here and we've maxed it out. And, you know, we, we can be fat and sassy and happy right here because there's generations that we have responsibility for. And, and we've got more to do. There's more to do. And, and this came available and the Lord said, rise up and take it. And, and, and it's like, we don't have the money to do that right now. But we're a people of faith. And when God says, Some, do something, we're going to do it because we know when we participate in what God is doing, then the blessing just like when you participate in sin there's a harvest when you participate in the in the favor of God in the will of God there's blessings is a part of the harvest hallelujah so here she is she loved her son so much and all the love that she had I, I love I love Rizpah when I read this story it just strengthens me but one th reason I hate what happened 
But one thing I love about her is she never took on a victim mentality. You know what I mean? When you take on a victim mentality, you, you become powerless because the victim is powerless. And I want to speak into you today and say, let's learn something from this woman. And we're going to look at some details here as we wrap things up. But let's learn something from this woman here that will change you, that will, that will solidify something in you, that you will say, I am not going to become a victim no matter what has happened, no matter what has come against me, I will not take on a victim spirit and mentality because a victim is powerless. And if my God be for me, who shall be against me? Because if the devil can defeat you in your mind, he can defeat you in your life. So we need to get rid of that victim mentality. You need to quit making excuses. You need to quit saying, it was because of this I can't do that, and because of that, that I can't do this, and, and because of what this person did, or because of what that person didn't do. I'm stuck here, I'm stuck here. You're not stuck there. There's an empty tomb that proves uh, that that which was buried can become back alive. There's resurrection power in the Spirit of God. Don't be a victim and say, I've got to live with a, my, my tomb filled when Jesus says, I've come to show you as the first fruit from the dead, an empty tomb, resurrection power, and the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you to quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. So here before this news came to Rispa, she's living the line. She was the king Saul's concubine. She was his sweet thing on the side. She was his boo, his baby girl, his secret love. Amen. She engaged in pillow talk with the most powerful man on earth. She was sleeping with the king. Every woman's dream was her reality. Rispa had it going on. And since she was his lady, she was living large. And since those little boys, they belonged to him, the king's kids, she, she thought she was hooked up for life. Those boys were her link to the palace, to the king, to the privileges. Please don't forget, though, we have a real enemy. See, that's one thing the Old Testament over and over lets us know. Don't drop your guard. You've got a shield of faith for a reason. There's fiery darts coming in. You've got a sword of the Spirit for a reason because you've got to fight off the enemy. Come on now. You got feet shed with the preparation of gospel of peace uh, where nothing is broken and nothing, nothing is, is uh, missing because the devil's trying to break everything and steal everything. Amen. The enemy can come in if you drop your guard and switch your life on a dime. Turn it around. Never did she dream. I guarantee you in her wildest imagination, while she paraded around in the palace, pampered and privileged, manicured fingers and pedicured feet, never did she imagine those manicured hands and those pedicured, pedicured feet would be clinging to a rock at the feet of her two rotting sons who had been hung because of their father's sin. Never did she imagine growing up in the palace that anything like that would come against her. Here they were victims executed for their daddy's crime. See, Saul had left some unfinished business and now Rispa is looking up and watching them put the noose around her two boys' necks and she watches them gasp for air and dangle and die and she watches them swell, change colors and ferment and decay. That's what the Bible says. And I'm sure folks would say, you know, why do you stay here on this rock? Why do you stay here? They don't even look like themselves anymore. They don't look like your kids anymore. Why don't you just go home, Rispa? And I can hear her say, you go home. 
You shut up and go home. Because whether they look like it or not, they're still my kids. Well, you know, and, and they will not be eaten by the vultures, she said. And they will not be eaten by the wolves at night, she said. Not as long as I have breath. They're going to receive a royal burial. She made a declaration. They're going to receive a royal burial. Their circumstances were the furthest on the condemnum to say they would never receive a royal burial. But she says, it may look like what is impossible, but I'm standing on the rock and I'm going to see the impossible made possible. I couldn't stop what they went through, but I can determine where they go from here. And the Bible says for six months, night and day, six months she stayed there at the feet of her son's decaying bodies on that rock, fighting off the vultures by day and the wolves by night. Wow. See, sometimes you need to just take off your church pretties. Sometimes you need to tighten up your weave and roll up your sleeves and, and tell the devil... Come on now. And you need to tell the devil, this child is mine. This child might not look like a king's kid. This daughter of, is mine. She may not look like a king's kid. Uh, this business is mine. It may not look like a king's business. This ministry is mine. It may not look like the king's ministry. This marriage is mine. It may not look like the king's uh, uh, marriage, but I'm not going to let the devil eat the fat and take the meat and the flesh off of what is left. I'm calling forth for a royal decree and a turnaround in this situation. So she says, no, I'm not going anywhere. It's over, devil. I'm going to stand right here on this rock and I'm going to fight. Somebody needs to get this in your spirit. I'm not taking this line down. This means war. Yes, the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Please hear me, church. Please hear me. we got to take our church pretty off. we gotta, we got to wake up and understand there's a real battle going on here. There's a devil in hell and he's coming against the people of God and the plan of God. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But he who is in us needs us to stand up and fight against the devil. Hallelujah. Praise God. Get our stuff back. Take it by force. Take it by force. Some of you have just given up on your kids. This message is saying you better not. You've given up on your marriage. This, this message today says you better not. You've given up on your health because the, 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 the report says, the scans say, the MRI say, the CAT scans say, they all the x-rays say, this is your circumstance. And you've given up on, no, you better not give up on it. She said, I'm climbing up on the rock with my sackcloth, and I'm going to fight for what's left. Somebody needs to get on the rock, and I'm talking about the rock of ages, who is Jesus Christ, and you need to plant yourself there and say, devil of hell, you're not going to have my family, you're not going to have my children, you're not going to have my grandchildren, you're not going to have my health, you're not going to have my finances, you're not going to have my marriage, you're not going to have my peace. No! And she stood there, a woman, six months, was fighting off the vultures and fighting off the wolves. And she said, it's not no more, no more, no more. It's over. I'm on watch. Hallelujah. A woman who was used to wearing designer clothes in a palace is wearing sackcloth. That's her war clothes. We got to understand it's not all about being all fancy and dancy. Sometimes we got to get, we got to get into trenches and we got to do some spiritual warfare. 
I'm telling you what, we need to understand that we're not going to let the devil just have his way and just say, well, if God wills it, let me tell you what, God's will that none should perish. But if you don't go and evangelize and let them hear the word of God, how are they going to believe if they don't hear? And let me tell you what, once they hear, they need somebody to disciple them. Let me tell you what, we've got to understand we've got our part to play in the plan of God. And it's our responsibility. And you've got to fight for your health. And you've got to fight for your family. And you've got to fight for your marriage. And you've got to fight for your finances. You've got to fight. You don't let the devil just come in, kill, sell, and destroy and do what he wants. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. Life more abundant. But you've got to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Man, she guarded their remains. She was dangerous to deal with. I'm telling you, those vultures, I know if they could communicate with saying, what is, this, what is up with this crazy woman? I wish she would die so we could eat her eyes out. But every time she hears the flapping of our wings, that sackcloth comes uh, and comes running us back off that hill. And those wolves say, she's crazy. She's crazy. And every time they would try to sneak in without being heard, she, she could sense it and take a stick and run them back off that hill. Wow. Her love was stronger than stench. Her love was stronger than decay. Somebody needs to love what God's plan for your life more than the decay you're looking at. Some of you need to love the plan of God for you more than you love the stench of what you're smelling. That may have been a sin in your life or sin in someone's life you were tied into that is now affecting you. But let me tell you what, when your love is stronger than death and de de uh, uh, decomposing bodies and says, you know what, if God has made a promise, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to stand on that. And I'm not going to settle for anything else. I'm not going to let my circumstances change me. I'm going to let the Word of God change my circumstances. Hallelujah. I love this woman, Rizpah. Here they were destroyed, not to appease the anger of God, but to appease the thirst of revenge. And I'm sure her friends told her, you know, you've got to go home. This is not healthy. They're dead. Go home. You've got to move on. The Lord gave me this message because he knew some of you were sensing or going through some of the same things. That there's some of you here today maybe tuning in or maybe sitting here listening in a, a, a person who are watching your dreams die. You're watching your hopes die. You're watching your marriage die. You're watching your sons or your daughters spiritually die. You're watching your relationships die. You're watching your finances die. But I'm on assignment, I believe, from God today to tell someone here that whatever you do, you've got to do what Rispa did. You've got to learn from her and do what Rispa did. She climbed up on a rock. Oh, but pastor, it's far gone. It's dead. It's rotten. It's over. What do you mean? What do you mean? Let me tell you what. You still need to climb up on that rock, the rock of ages, uh, because Jesus is the rock. He paid our debt. He paid a sin. He paid our sin consequence that he did not owe because we owed the consequences of sin and we couldn't pay it. It was going to rob us of everything that we have on life. But Jesus said, the divine exchange I'm going to make for you 
if you'll place your faith and place your trust and place your confidence in me and stand on my word. Climb up on the rock of ages. Hallelujah. And then you say, how long do you want me to stay there, Pastor? Well, I want you to stay there until you get an answer from God. I want you to stay there until you see the manifest of the word of God. You stand for your healing until your healing is manifest. You stand for your breakthrough until your breakthrough has come. You stand for your marriage until your marriage is in love again. You stand for your kids until your kids are worshiping God and serving God and loving on God even more than you. Hallelujah. She would not leave her boys. She would not leave her post. Hallelujah. She said, I saw their first smile. I, I, I was there. I wiped their first tear. When they were sick, I, I sat there and rocked them to sleep. When they, they got a boo-boo, I kissed it and made it better. I felt them move in my womb. I changed their, their diapers. I washed their dirty faces. I combed their hair. I sang the song, the wheels of the chariots go round and round. And I was there. I taught them how to sing. I taught them their ABCs. I taught them how to speak. I taught those little hands now that are purple and rotting up there. But those are the hands that I taught to clap. I was there. And when they woke from a bad dream, I was there. And when they experienced their first heartbreak, I was there. And when they felt rejection, I was there. I taught them how to love. I taught them how to forgive. I taught them how to tie their shoes. I taught them the bedtime stories. I tucked them in at night and kissed them on the foreheads. I taught them how to take a licking and keep on ticking. And I couldn't stop this, but I'm not going to let no buzzard come and eat their flesh. And while I couldn't stop that, I'm not letting one wolf come and eat of their flesh. You're messing with the wrong mama. You're messing with the wrong mama. I pray somebody would get up in here today and say, you know what? I understand. This life is short and I've invested a lot and you're messing with the wrong wife you're messing with the wrong husband you're messing with the wrong leader you're messing with the wrong visionary you're messing with the wrong dreamer I'm not giving up on the decree of God I'm not giving up on the plan of God I got, I got some fight raised up in me and I'm not going to fight my friends and I'm not going to fight my family but I'm going to fight the devil off he's not going to have my health he's not going to have my wealth He's not going to have my home. He's not going to have my children. No, no, no. You messing with the wrong person. Hallelujah. Tell somebody it's not going to happen. Come on, tell somebody it's not going to happen. I don't care what the doctor says. It's not going to happen. I don't care what the judge says. It's not going to happen. I don't care what my accountant says. It's not going to happen. I don't care what the disgruntled spouse says. It's not going to happen. I don't care what my teacher says. It's not going to happen. I don't care what the preacher says. It's not going to happen. I don't care what my employer says. It's not going to happen. Because you've messed with the wrong person. And I'm up on this rock. Jesus is my foundation. His promise, His provision, and His power is available. And I'm going to fight off every demon of hell that would come in and try to destroy Hallelujah. Come on now. Six months she continued night and day. And sometimes we can't deal with something for three hours. Where's that fight? You're going to give your kids up to the devil? You're going to give your grandkids up to the devil? You're going to give your health up to the devil? You're going to give your finances up to the devil? You're going to give your marriage up to the devil? Come on now. Not, there's some things that we need to fight for. Hallelujah. 
we got to look to Rispa for encouragement. And we need to develop that mindset today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I pray that if nothing else, that there's at least one person that will go out of here today and says, I'm going to stand on the word of God and his promises. And if it don't come to pass in July, we got what? One day left. I'm going to still be here believing God for August. And if it don't come to pass in August, I'm going to be believing in September. And on and on. Someone told me, he said, Pastor, what if you had an incurable disease and everything you did and taught in the healing rooms and all this stuff was not working for you? What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go out believing. I'll take my last breath believing the word of God. I'm not going to turn on him because he didn't turn on me. I'm not going to give up on him because he didn't give up on me. And he said there's a war. And I understand there's casualties of war. But I guarantee you, I'm going to be on the front line and I'm going to be fighting. And there may be seven bullet holes in me, but I'm going to still be coming at that enemy with everything that I got. And until I take my last breath, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And I put that on record today. And I put, encourage you to put that on record as well because when the devil knows how serious you are, he starts, he starts re-evaluating how much he wants to mess with you. Any strategy in warfare sees a very strong front, a st- very strong fortified area. They go to a weaker area. I am to resist the devil and him flee. I'm not to have dinner with him. I'm not to have a counseling session with him. I'm not to have negotiations with him. Why would I want to negotiate with him when Jesus has already made the deal? Hallelujah. And it's in my favor. Praise the Lord. I'm just telling you, I got a trunk full of determination down on the inside of me, and I'm going to stay right here until it rains. And I pray that this is contagious and some of you would get, a, would get a trunk full of determination on the inside of you and you say, I'm going to stay on this rock and I'm going to stay with Jesus as my center. I'm going to worship him even in the dry season. You remember the, that last week when the river was dry, they went down in the valley in the dry part of the river and they put stones there. They weren't told to put stones there, but Joshua put stones there. He's saying, you know what? In the dry, confusing, hard time of life, we're going to praise God here. And the Bible says that touched God's heart so much that when the waters covered those stones up he said that altar is still there even to this day it was the very altar Jesus made reference to when he was coming in and they and they said stop them from praising you and saying Hosanna and he said if they were to silence their praise the stones or the rocks would cry out he said there's a praise that goes in the desert there's a praise unto me in a prison cell at the midnight hour there's a praise that goes unto me in the hard times of life he said it touches my heart unlike anything else Uh, and even if everybody else silences themselves in a happy moment he says and nobody will praise me I can hear the praise of that which went forth from that rock uh, there at the feet of her children hanging there and that desert and that dry place so it's time that we rise up and begin to do our warfare and part of our warfare is praising God before the victory is ever manifested hallelujah hallelujah I'm telling you if God be for us who can be against us Let me kind of close with this, or we'll be here all day. (laughs) For six months, she stayed on the rock. Night 
and day. Fighting off vultures in the day. Fighting off the wolves at night. The word came to me in Isaiah 26 and 3. And I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Somebody, she could have said, but my children are dead. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. But my children are in prison. Let me tell you, you can keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. You say, but my dream is dying. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. You say, but my vision is failing. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. But my income just got cut in half. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. But my health is deteriorating. I will keep him in perfect peace. Shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing whose mind is stayed on me. The doctor says I have no hope. It looks crazy. Listen, I'm I will keep him, God says, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Hallelujah. David was told about this woman, Rispa, and what was going on, and it moved him. And he took a pen and he signed a royal decree. A royal decree that said these two boys will receive royal burial. Exactly what Rispa desired has now been granted. I close with this. I'm here to tell you that the king of glory has taken a pen in his hand. I've seen it. He showed it to me. And he has written a royal decree. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're waiting for. And I don't know what you're hoping for and I don't know what you've lost. And I, don't, I, I really don't know the abandonment and I don't know the guilt and I don't know the regret or the pain and all that you're going through. But I do know that if you'll fall in love with Jesus and you'll make Him the number one in your life and you will camp out on Him, the rock of ages, and stretch yourself on Him and pray and fight the good fight of faith uh, and send up your praises in the dry season uh, and send it up. Let me tell you what... I I know what he's going to do. Raindrops are going to start falling in your house. Raindrops are going to start falling in your life. Raindrops are going to start falling in your world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The king is coming. I hear it. The king is coming. The king is coming. He's moving in your direction. He says, he says enough is enough. It's time to move on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I see the king signing uh, this decree uh, and he's bringing some things down for you. He, this decree is bringing some things down for you. Time to bury some stuff and move on uh, and move forward uh, and move upward. Come on now. God is sending the rain. There's rain of healing that you're going to start feeling raindrops of healing like you... And he showed them to me. They're big. They're like double-handed size raindrops. A hallelujah of healing into your parched land. He's going, to, he's going to quench that dry and thirsty place that you're at. He's sending big raindrops of refreshing. You felt dried and you felt like... Nah, I don't know if i got a whole lot more to give. Let me tell you what. There's a refreshing coming from heaven by the power of the Spirit of God that's going to cause rivers of flow through you like never before. The latter is going to be greater than the former, I say unto you. 
Raindrops of harvest, he said, are coming into your life. Hallelujah. There's nothing in your life that the reign of the Spirit of God is not going to touch and change and turn around for his glory and for his honor. Until raindrops fall, let us praise him. Until raindrops fall, let us fight off the enemy. Until raindrops fall, let's stand on the rock. Let's stand on the word. Let's stand on the promises of God. Until raindrops fall, let us be a people of faith. Amen. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we thank you right now. Our faith is at a height because of your word that this faith, if we'll let it work for us right now, can take hold of it and it's ours. So Lord God, as Rispa had such a determination to see a royal burial come by her sons uh, who were the least, the two least likely in the, in the whole country. But because of her stance on that rock and because of her warfare against the enemy, the king took a pen and signed a royal decree and said, favor, turn around, blessing. And God then opened the heavens and rain began to fall. Lord God, let each and every one in here today who's been going through a struggle not be discouraged, not be despondent, not be in despair, but be encouraged by this word. That if they will find themselves not as a victim and not whining and not complaining and not making excuses, but if their sin repent and come to the rock, come to the rock that is higher and higher that he lifted us up out the miry clay and set us upon a rock we need to find our, our, our forgiveness, we need to find our cleansing, we need to find our righteousness in Jesus and Jesus we come to you and God we ask you to forgive us confess your sin don't have wait till a Nathan comes and points it out go ahead and fall on your face and confess your sin to a holy God and, and say God I, I come to you and I, and I give you my heart and I give you my life with great sorrow Lord I violated you I violated your word I violated our marriage I violated the finances I violated raising my children I violated uh, this or that Lord whatever it is God forgive me hallelujah and unlike the rock that Rispa was on in the old covenant, which meant you still have to have all the consequences come on you, the rock that we are on, Jesus Christ, took our consequences upon Himself by hanging on a tree and taking our curse. So now, Lord, we thank You. We thank You that the generational curse can stop right here. The sins of the fathers can stop right here. My children don't have to suffer what I've suffered with. It stops right here. And I don't have to suffer any longer with it. It stops right here. Lord, I thank you that you took upon you, Jesus, on the cross, the curse of my iniquities. And I, now my iniquities are placed, are placed on you. And I now can receive the blessing of Abraham, the covenant that you have for me, God. I receive it that I'll rise up out of here and walk in your royal decree. And I will fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to fight for my children because the devil's still going to try and take them, but he's not going to get them. I'm going to still fight for my grandchildren. The devil's going to try to take them, but he's not going to get them. I'm going to fight for my health. The devil's trying to take it, but he's not going to get it. I'm going to fight for my wealth. The devil's trying to take it, but he's not going to get it. Hallelujah! 
because God I stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and all the promises of God are yea and amen and I now declare and decree that I'm going to walk as your son your daughter blessed and in favored and, and, and empowered by your spirit hallelujah are you on the rock of Jesus Christ is your life your family your marriage your parenting your friends your business say no I do that over here in the sand storms are going to destroy it build it on the rock and the storms will still come but you'll stand Jesus I bring my business to you Jesus I bring my finances to you Jesus I bring my children to you Jesus I bring my marriage to you but first and foremost Jesus I bring myself call on his lordship now he said every one of you who will call me lord you will experience me as savior so to call him lord means you got to surrender to him his will his way his lordship will you call on his lordship now jesus 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 be the lord of my life will you tell him we ask him now jesus jesus come be the lord of my life be my Lord as I surrender to you so that I can walk in you being my Savior. Hallelujah. You give it all to Him now. Will you give it all to Him now? Say, yes, Lord. Here am I. Take me. I'm yours, Lord. Just tell Him. Lord, I'm yours. I want to live bring forth the manifest of your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for what you've said to us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you've inspired us, challenged us, and instructed us. Now I pray, God, as we walk in your word, that your favor and blessings will go with each and every one of us as we go into this week. And Lord, as we have our prayer ministers come and make themselves available to pray with anyone that needs individual prayer, maybe someone wants someone to stand with them and pray the prayer of salvation or pray for healing or to pray for someone that's maybe not here and stand in for them to be healed or touched or any circumstance. Let these ministers, the first step they take out of their seat, Lord God, let them be energized in a way they've never been energized before with a resurgence of your anointing as they walk into their ministry to bring life here at this altar and for those that are needing prayer Lord God that we can see the supernatural manifest of prayers answered here today hallelujah so God we just pray now that you would do great and mighty things in Jesus name Amen and amen. Come on, we give God some praise. Amen.